Here we go again, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Andrew Curtis Show, episode three. And uh, this week, well, we've talked about uh, mental health in high schools. We've talked about chucking it all in and moving to Africa. So uh, I wanted to touch on the arts this week. And so um, I arranged a, a conversation with a friend of mine who has been very influential in my own life uh, as a performing artist in my own capacity. You'll find out a little bit more about that in a moment. But uh, her name is Helen Clegg Healy, and she is a vocal coach. Um, and the reason I thought it could be interesting to speak to her, first of all, is just because I find it interesting. Um, but also, too, a lot of people have questions about singing and performance. Um, I can sing or I can't sing. What could I do to become better at it? Um, music is everywhere in our culture. Um, and, um, you know, if you're one of those people who says, oh, I can't really carry a tune in a bucket, um, let alone perform in front of people, um, you know, is there any hope for me? Uh, well, Helen's got some really cool insights. And uh, in fact, so much so that I recorded this little element here while I was just doing a bit of a sound check, but I thought it was really interesting. So I'm going to play it for you now. Here you go. So what did you have for breakfast, Helen? I had a piece of toast with manuka mm -hmm. honey on it. I swear by manuka honey. Mm -hmm. It's great for the throat. What about lemon and honey, honey though? Well, Helen? the lemon is a citrus, so it takes away a little bit of the mucus and often can irritate the throat. Okay. So sometimes it's good to just steer away from citrus, but okay. definitely the manuka honey. So an orange not... juice could have the same effect as a, as, a, as a lemon? Correct. In fact, I made the mistake one night of being really, really thirsty before I had to sing. And I had a big gulp of orange juice that was available, and then I went, Ugh, that's not good. <laughs> and I could feel it irritating the base mm. of my throat, and I thought, oh no, it's going to be awful to sing on. And so I went and found some milk. Ah, it was like a yin yang kind of moment. Yeah. Swallow them both at once and let them fight it out on the way down. That's the one. <laughs> the milk cured it all. So there you go, even in the uh, little sound and level check at the start, there was a pearl of wisdom that I thought lemon and honey drinks are like the, the panacea the world over for any kind of throat related thing, but it turns out it'll screw up your voice. These and other really amazing little insights still to come um, during this conversation with Helen Clegg Healy, vocal coach. So uh, if you have, uh, if you're a singer yourself or um, know a performer uh, or even a public speaker, who could benefit from the knowledge that she has. Tune in, and for the next oh, 50 minutes or so, we're going to see what she has to say. So, ladies and gentlemen, Helen Clegg Healy. So, Helen, fun little fact to start with. People listening won't know this, but I, I credit my, my jazz singing career uh, development to your, um, to your assistance. Oh, <laughs> very nice, Andrew. Thank you for that. No, you're welcome. Um, I thought for today's kind of conversation, um, the whole idea of what a vocal coach does, I suppose, is one thing. It's a bit kind of abstract for some people. But I think starting from a, um, a level of people who ask, you know, can, you know, can anybody sing? Um, or what can I do to sing better? Um, when people come to see you, first <laughs> and foremost, like what are they looking for? What do they talk to you about in that opening conversation? Well, it depends on what their need is, obviously. And sometimes it can be someone who wants to advance as a vocalist so they've been up and running for a little while but they're struggling with a few issues mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it can be i think i can sing but i would really like you to tell me if i can uh -huh. um, and sometimes it's just um how can i get this better i i i you know I, i'm singing but i'm struggling and yeah it's so there's a few few dynamics along the way okay so why don't we touch on then that first part then so you're talking about you know when you say somebody who has maybe been singing for a while, but they're struggling. So mm. what is 
What does struggling look like, sound like? Well, often it is something it sounds like, uh, that they obviously have issues with often the higher side of their vocal performance. Uh, and often, you know, they may not like the way they sound. Mm. So I've had experiences where I've had, you know, rock performers coming in and finding that, um, yeah, they feel they either lose their voice at the end of their gig or uh, they're just not happy with the playback of the recording or um, or they just feel that they just don't have freedom mm -hmm. enough to be able to sing songs that they want to do. Yeah. Uh, and often <clears throat> in those cases, it's because they've got tension, too much tension. Uh -huh. And for me as a coach, I've got to see where that tension is. Is it because their body's uptight or is it a jaw thing? Is it a tightening of the tongue thing? It's all those things that link. And often it's not always one thing. Mm. But of course, then you've got to... Uh, look at look at that person and say right now which, which bite of the elephant are we going <laughs> to chunk at a time at each time you know yeah. and and it works differently for men and women men are more um let's just look at one thing at a time because they can only kind of handle one thing at a time <laughs> <laughs> or pander to gender, yeah. gender stereotypes but yeah and then with women maybe you could lump them lump them with a couple of <laughs> a few things at a time all so right, all right. yeah so yeah. You, you you just gotta that's okay i'm secure mm. i can hear that that's fine i'm a monotasker from way back <laughs> sorry carry on but you know i have had men that can or guys that can uh definitely multitask it's you know <laughs> disclaimer disclaimer yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and and it's all good so yeah it's, it's just looking at what their issue is okay so have you had a situation like when you say that people don't like how they sound mm. um I'll speak from my own experience of this kind of thing. Um, for those of you guys listening who don't know as well, um, yeah, uh, Helen and I have actually performed in a, um, a jazz big band for a number of years now. Um, one of the things that I found was when I started that I had an idea of how I wanted to sound based on some of the performers that I aspired to be like. So say like, you know, your Michael Bublé is a, a modern example, but even like your Frank Sinatra's, Dean Martin's and things mm. like that. They've got certain accents that they put on notes or ways of pronouncing certain things mm. um, which I would try to replicate uh, or I say that I don't think I even realized I was doing that at the time mm. um, but because I couldn't recreate that sound mm. um, that caused a bit of you know tension for me um, and then of course when you learn how to sing how you sound naturally mm. sometimes it's not the same no so how have you observe that kind of dynamic much in play or what's your experience yeah i think i think every singer has their key signature uh-huh and then as a, a, a cover vocalist that you come in and you think oh i like what they do there that's kind of cute mm. uh, and yes you want to replicate that but sometimes you just physically can't and that's right. often about anatomy which uh -huh. is of course where i stem this whole curriculum from it, it, it's your genetics, it's the size of your tongue, it's the way your mouth is shaped, it's, wow. you know, the whole facial thing. And often the resonators for one particular singer will sound a lot different to you. Yeah. And as much as we might love to be a Whitney Houston, mm. me, mm. you know, I don't have her big mouth, her big fat face, her big high cheekbones, her, right. you know, and uh, I might have the decent, the decent sized lungs that she had. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you know, it's it's all about anatomy, and sometimes we can replicate it with practice, mm. but sometimes not sometimes so. Have mm. you ever? Is it, has it ever been like a 
I almost want to say like a grieving process when somebody's realized that, look, look, Jack, you're just not going to sound like that. Have you ever had to have that conversation? Um, well, tone is most definitely about genetics. And, you know, there are some things that we can get close. But, uh, yeah, if you, if you like a particular singer's tone and you yeah. can't match it, yeah, it ain't going to happen. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, have, have you ever, like, had that conversation with someone where it's, you know, they've... Well, my thing is, let's just be you. Okay. Let, let's develop who you are as a singer. Nice. Okay. I paint the picture, you know, you can get the Michelangelo, you know, portrait that's worth, you know, hundreds mm. of thousands of dollars. Yeah. But then you can get another painter who'll come along and paint, you know, exactly that replica. But will the price of it or the cost of it right. be the same? No, it's mm. just it's just a copy. Yeah. So why do you want to be a, a copy of somebody? You know, let's let's develop you as the vocalist. Nice. And and see what we can we can do with you. That sounds like a very tactful way to approach that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you're saying I'll never be Whitney Houston? Okay. All That's right. true. You won't. All right. So then. Um, neither will I. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I was going to say neither will she anymore, but that's probably is that too soon? Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Will I cut that or not? Only time will tell. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, you touched on a few things there as well about things like resonance and stuff. I do want to come back to that in a moment. Um, but again, if we're thinking about those people who come to you to speak about whatever their issues, mm. their, their, their vocal challenges are. So when somebody comes along and says things like, again, you know, I think I can sing, but but can I? Yes. What's What's the approach you take there? Like, can anybody sing? I suppose is the question at the at the heart of it. <laughs> can we all sing? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, to be able to sing or sing well, you have to have memory for pitch. So hang on. So it's not a can I make a decent sound thing. It's actually more of a, of a, is it a mental thing. Is that? Uh, well, no. It, 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 as I said, it's, you see, we sing with a vocal muscle. Mm. So that muscle reacts and uh, the, the, the ligament that lives inside that muscle is contracting because the brain says I need it to contract it to a certain pitch. Uh -huh. So, you know, more contraction, the higher the note, less contraction, the lower the note. Uh, you have to have memory in the brain to be able to match what that pitch is. It's like me sitting here and saying, oh, I've got an itchy head. So I don't, my brain doesn't say to my wrist wrist you need to lift and then contract the bicep and then turn sure. the hand and then get the fingers running so that i can just scratch my head that's we do it naturally because we can mm. as a singer you have to have the memory for that ligament to contract so that it, it recognizes a sound oh yes i remember that contract to it and then the vibration starts because, you know, I teach it from a physics perspective, yeah. right? So once the air starts going through that vocal muscle or that ligament, once it's contracting, then a vibration's in play. We have pitch, we have sound, mm. sound waves carried on, air waves, right. voila. Yeah. Now, when you say, can anyone sing? If they don't have that memory, they'll sing out of tune. Uh -huh. It's just the way it is. Yep. Can it be taught? I believe it can. I believe it can, but it's a much longer, slower process when you're an adult. Mm. I liken it a little bit, say, to a stroke victim okay. who's lost memory or the ability to be able to lift limbs or mm. speak or that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, I have, I've got a girlfriend that, whose, whose father had a stroke uh, and lost his ability to speak. 
and she helped over three months or so helped him reformed muscle with the tongue and right, memory okay. with the lips and yeah. all of those things so that he could make those connections again to be able to speak mm. so from a vocalist perspective I believe it can be done, but you're working with a keyboard, scales, uh-huh. learning that you know the the vibrations versus p- pitch tone, uh, and yeah, much slower process. The thing is, though, as you say that, I'm very aware when people talk about singing. Though, um, what is encouraging to me. Um, and encouraged me when we first started working together mm. was that um, the issue of can you sing or not, mm. uh, I had always previously thought of as one of those, well, either you can or you're, you can't, but in a right. more kind of abstract talent point of view, you know, either you've, yes. you've got it or you don't. Yes. Um, and again, we'll get into this in a little more detail soon, mm-hmm. but the way you approach it in terms of speaking of it as a, almost like a, a muscle Mm. memory a muscle yeah, skill yeah. that in the same way that uh again if i'm rubbish at playing tennis uh, i've got no hand-eye coordination but if i play a lot of tennis i can improve my coordination correct in the same way that that is a a, a muscle a memory thing memory thing mm. um <clears throat> you're saying that in in many ways training the vocal muscle is the same thing Yes, it, it, well, it's training the brain to, so that the, uh, sorry, training the ligament to talk to the brain vice and vice versa. Yeah, mm. sure. But if you've got all that right, and then you think, can I sing, but I don't sound very good, it's what you're doing with the air. Right. So tell me more about that. So often when, when a singer is singing, you know, again, they don't, maybe don't like the way they sound or their, their voice is very flaky or shaky or it's a little bit, I don't know, thin and squeaky or whatever. Uh-huh. It, it's how they're dealing with the air. Now, sometimes, uh, because w- what did I say earlier? Well, you know, sound starts with a vibration. Mm. So the formula, the physics formula says that sound waves are carried on airwaves. So the palette's like a mini studio. You've got your hard palette your mid palate, your soft palate. Hard palate's got where the bone is and the teeth. Mm. Soft palate's all very mushy and absorbed. Mm. Um, the middle palate's got a bit of both. Mm. So, you know, where, where they're texturing the sound uh, is one thing, but then sometimes if their sound's a little bit flaky and shaky and weak sounding, mm. well, I can get that fixed just through teaching them to use body muscle to support the air. Right. And, and control and, and what we call use uh, the particular muscles in the body, which is the pec muscle in the chest, is, acts as an air stabilizer and stops that flaky shaky yeah. going down. Yeah. Not nice. Right. Uh, and it also helps, you know, just work that air out, hold long notes. Yeah, it can correct pitch. It's great, really, really cool muscle to have. Crazy thing is, you know, I wish I'd learnt this 30 years ago because I've been when carrying you were five. these. In my- <laughs> Exactly. I've been carrying these muscles around all my life and, and up until nine years ago, didn't know that I could use yeah. them to help me sing. And uh, and it's just amazing what yeah, yeah, well, the body talk, can do. To let's talk about voice. that for a second then too, because you, you've touched on this a few times. And for those who are listening, might have had a, um, an experience of vocal coaching before. Um, you have a very kind of biomechanical mm. approach to it, mm. uh, which is quite different, I think, from the stories I've heard from most people of how they approach uh, vocal coaching, how they approach singing. Mm. Um, but of course, this applies to public speaking as well. Absolutely, uh, yes. It's um, all to do with voice. Yeah, so, so can we speak a bit to that, um, the differences between, I suppose, the way you approach it yeah. uh, with 
the techniques that you've you've learned and now share versus perhaps somebody listening right now what they may have heard previously mm. um yeah your your thoughts or comments on that well i i know as a singer without this sort of knowledge you know you just you just sang because you did <laughs> I mean, I learned opera singing when I was probably about 15, huh. um, 16. I didn't and, know that, uh, Helen. There's my learned thing oh, for the day. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. carry on. Well, when mum said, oh, Helen can sing, let's send her <laughs> to a singing teacher. So I used to travel to Cambridge every Friday. Uh-huh. Uh, and this uh, lady, um, I can't actually remember her name, it's, which is really terrible. But um, she, she had a pupil uh, who was runner-up to Sister Mary Leo's right. first pupil. So she, so for those she wasn't too shabby. She, mm. she was the one who trained Kerry to Kanawa. Yes, yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, she was a good teacher in that genre of mm. teaching. Uh, and I learned some great things, but I didn't really understand a lot of what I was doing. And, of course, with classical voice, it is about keeping the sound in the mid part of the palate, and it's all very you know, it's perfection of the note. They aim for the perfection. A lot of contraction at the back of the uvula, so you get that sort of sound. Uh-huh. Whereas, you know, contemporary voice is less contraction at the back of the palate, and it's a sort of sound. Okay. You know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I, I actually won a competition in the pop section. I might add. All right. And I actually bet the 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 her best pupil, uh, <laughs> and and one particular. Um, I think I was singing a German song, and the only reason that I won it and she came second was because she forgot her words and I didn't. <laughs> anyway, that was all, all good fun. But, yeah, so, you know, after that, I, I mean, I never wanted to be an opera singer. I wanted to do more contemporary style, and, of course, you know, as when I came to Auckland, I, I had a two-year gig with a, a dine and dance band in, in uh, Custom Street. Mm-hmm. And, and that was pretty cool. Uh, and, you know, um, but again, you know, I I just sang because I loved it and, and didn't really have much knowledge of what was going on. But as time went on, I was starting to get vocal issues. And I found that every time I'd get on a stage, I, you know, I, I was blessed with big lungs. So I'd kind of belt my way through a song and then I'd come off the platform and I'd think oh my gosh you know I, I, my voice sounds strained and uh, but really just thought oh well that's that's the way it, uh, I survive you know mm. and um, but it, you know things shouldn't quite be like that don't really not understand why so anyway I tried to find singing teachers that could help me and long story short I that's when I found Cheryl McClay and uh, and of course the first thing she said you know was you know stop shouting you know <laughs> And, uh, and of course, you know, she just unfolded what the, the anatomy of voice versus the physics of sound was all about. Yeah. And it made such perfect sense to me. And, you know, she simplifies it. I mean, you can go into all the pressure waves and all the rest of it and, you know, but this is just very, you know, it's a very simplified curriculum that she teaches. And, uh, and yeah, and it's, it is based just on that that whole anatomy thing. Mm. Um, but anyway, I think I've digressed from your question. No, where where, I mean, have, I, where you, have I gone? No, well, you, you, I mean, you spoke to how you'd come from, uh, oh, you yeah. know, your traditional training to, to this method, mm. which is more biomechanically driven. Because yeah. you have told me, um, as well of other times, you've had people who've come to see you who have resisted what you've told them because of... 
previous things like one thing we discussed already uh, before we started recording was like the idea of things like head notes yes oh, of course that yes. kind of stuff so where did that come from um mm. easy pitch setup is mm. it all crap uh and <laughs> what's yeah why is there yeah. resistance to that how's that how's that come across in some yeah of well students? i guess that's what i learned you know i thought you know contemporary voices chess voice and classical voices head voice and and really those terms are very misleading and i have uh, even a video on my website that explains that because that just um, just to fill in for people as well that's that's a terminology that's used by some vocal coaches to mm. describe certain tones and how they're uh, yeah, it's created. a sound, and it's actually yeah. the sound that I just gave you earlier. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a very misleading term because the thing is here that if you look at the physics of it, you know, if you say chest voice, well, you know, did I not say earlier that sound waves are carried on airwaves, sure. and you don't have an air cavity in your chest apart from your lungs, of course. But I learnt scuba diving many years ago, and you know, the thing is, if you got a bubble cavity outside of that lung, you were in deep stock, baby. Game over. Game yeah. over. yeah, yeah. And you would embolize. Yeah. Uh, and it's the same with head notes. So, you know, there is no room in the head for air. Yeah, otherwise you'd be a airhead. I see, I see oh, what you like did that. there. Yeah, yeah. Right. Anywho, so... You know, apart from the cavity that comes, you know, well, when you when you explain it to people, you know, the air comes up from the lung, it passes through the vocal muscle, starts a vibration, and then that air with the vibration, which now is sound, passes uh, up through the back of the pharynx or throat, uh, out through the palate, out through the nose. There's no other areas <laughs> that yeah. that sound can come out. Right. So when you talk about head notes... Uh, it, it, it's not a note that's in your head. It's yeah. coming out your mouth. It's coming out your nose. Yeah. And it can't be in your chest. So so these sounds were, or terms were adopted because of where the sound was felt. Okay. So, ah, uh, it kind of felt, you felt the vibration in your chest. Yeah. But if I went, oh, it would be kind of be more into my head. Right. But but it's misleading information. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's a color. And the color of it is simply where you put the air through the palate or through the nose. Yeah. So if I sing more into the hard part of the palate, it's a, ah, sort of sound, a harder, harsher yes. sound. Yeah. But if I go, oh, it's more into the middle. So yeah. that's just middle palate. Sure. Whoa, back, back further into the soft part of the palate. Or, yeah. eh, which now is through the nose, <laughs> the yeah. bone part of the nose, or, mm, which is same note. Yeah, right. They're just all different colors. Because you've only got the one vocal cord. Yeah, Absolutely. one set of vocal cords. You yeah, know. only one it's, vocal ligament. I yeah. remember that being the thing that struck me when we talked about this, was that going, yeah, if you're talking about, you can only create the note in one place. Correct. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you yep. know, the, the, yep. the actual, Correct. the vibration is, is started by that vocal yep. muscle. And the vocal And so muscle. to say, well, if it starts in the chest, to say, what, so you've, you've somehow removed your vocal cords from your throat and put them under your lungs. <laughs> uh, and then for the head note, you've kind of pulled them out of your throat and, and put, put them, them through in your the, ears. Yeah. <laughs> Which again, you say it like, we say it like that, and it, it seems seems ridiculous to consider yes, that. Yeah. But uh, it's all about the air, Andrew. Yeah. What you do with the air. Yeah. So once we get that air under control, and we find the sounds that we like, yeah. and we let more, the more air, the better the tone. Sure. Because again, it's about vibration, and mm. in human voices, 
produces multiple vibrations. Mm. So if you're tightening, tightening with a very tight, small little mouth, you see I've just lifted the tone of my mm. voice. But you see now if I just relax my jaw, drop my body down, you see I'm allowing more air. So you get right. a deeper sort of sound. Okay. Mm. So when somebody starts with you, um, where, where do you begin with? Do you have a, a pattern that you you follow in terms of introducing them to these things or can it be a little bit student directed mix of both how do you go i give them the knowledge first that we sing with a vocal muscle mm. it, it's vibration carried on air that the air comes up through the lungs passes through that ligament out through the palate out through the nose and explaining to them that way and how it works starts to now get a much simplified picture once you've set that foundation then they do start to see that actually it's about the air what am i doing with the air sure because once i've established they have the pitch we're good to go <laughs> yeah yeah because you, you've spoken as well and i have experienced a measure of this as well that whole idea about the fear of a high note mm. um that actually starts to diminish when you realize it's about muscle control and yes. air movement yes. as opposed to i mean again if i looked at it previously it was either well you can either hit the note or you can't yes and there was stuff all you could do about it if oh uh, yes uh, yeah, well know. i've had people come into me and they'd say oh i really love this song but when i get to the bridge and it's really high and i can't and it's somewhere ah, up there i can't and i go well hang on a minute what did you just do for me huh. and they go i just went and I went, yeah, okay, so you can sing that then, can't you? And wow. they go, oh, no, no, I can't sing it. It's too high for me. And I said, excuse me, did you not just make that note? Wow. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. And they yeah. go, yeah. Because it is just so a... So that tells yeah. me you're physically capable of singing that pitch. That's awesome. You see? So once you've established that they can get that, they go, but, but I couldn't sing it properly in a song. Well, yeah, that might be so, but that's just because you're messing with the air. Right. So for high notes, it, it's a much harder area to teach because what's important with pitch, uh, particularly in the high, high range, is that we start working the bigger muscles in the body. Sure. That's what this curriculum teaches. Yeah. And then we start introducing the lat muscle, the latimus dorsi muscles in the back. Yeah. And once you start you learning how they support the voice, man, you can fly. Because that's actually, I do want to spend a little more time on that because we've talked about the vocal muscle and things like that. But mm. when we talk about the biomechanics, anybody listening here too, uh, yeah, we're talking like a full body exercise, right? Oh, like yeah, I'm training you like an athlete. Yeah, yeah, mm, there's, there's, there's pectoral muscle, there's, yeah. there's the lat muscle. Standing uh, into the glutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then even, yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about the whole left and right hip thing? Because oh. that's, quite, that's quite cool when you first discover <laughs> This is something you can try at home, by the way, if you want to um, put this kind of thing to the test. Yeah. Um, do you want to speak on that for a bit? Yeah, it, it, again, it's anatomy. So we, we've been created with lungs that are different sizes. So the left side lung is longer and thinner. And, uh, you know, you can Google it. You can see it, although a lot, a lot of pictures that are put on the Internet don't necessarily paint the two lungs um, you know, as different sizes, some mm. will paint them equally. But if you get a correct, um, you know, picture of it, anybody that's studied bio biology yeah. will, sh I, you know, I believe there's more lobes on. There's like three lobes on one lung and two on the other, or something like that. And it's mm. like, you know, yeah. Well, <clears throat> the left side is much easier to manipulate, get the air out. So once you put pressure on that left side, you know, you you can drive more air out of the lungs. So that way you get. 
uh, a bigger sound because of yeah. that. So we get into the left side, standing to the left side hips, so that we can put pressure on that left side. So if somebody's um, listening and wanting to apply that, it would literally, so imagining you're standing standing straight up and down. Yep. Yeah, um, like we talk with belly yeah. in and take away the air and you can hear the height in my voice while I've sucked yeah. my belly in. Yeah, so right? what what would be the, the, the steps that they would need to take in their posture to change that? It's really just, just leaning into the left side. It's a little bit like, um, you know, you're tired of standing on two legs, so you just go into one side. But right. the big thing is to let your belly go floppy ah. because that allows the air to come. Can we talk about, actually, as you say that, I have the image in my head, and perhaps others do as well, of maybe that opera singer or somebody like mm. that, where we think of somebody almost in a, a military kind of um, state of uh, <laughs> being at attention. Yep. Um, mm. but what, yeah, yeah, but what you're saying is that actually limits... Um, well, a lot of voices, a lot of voices are damaged doing just that very thing. And the reason why I say that is because the way classical voices trained is for those higher arias you know if you if you think back to where those operas began you know we're talking the 1800s sure so let me ask you andrew what did they wear back then oh corsets oh you betcha yeah so for female in particular you know that they they didn't wear a dress without a corset so a corset meant that it tucked your belly in and when it tucks your belly and you take away the air, so your voice becomes very throaty. So you try to do a low note, you're down in here and you can't, and that'll just put pressure on, on the voice. So all songs of that day were written huh. high because women could only sing high. Of course, it messed with their health. Sure. You know, lost babies. They didn't have enough air into their, uh, huh. you know, system. So health was, you know, they'd faint know, all the yeah. time. You know, right. You know, so uh, all of those things. But, of course, with singing high, high all the time, a lot of those women didn't sing past the age of 30, yeah. 40 if they were lucky. Uh -huh. Men, on the other hand, who didn't have the corset, so I think... Henry VIII wore one for, I don't know, however long, but then kicked the idea because he was a big man. Yeah. Uh, so they could sing right up until their 70s and 80s. Yeah. You see, they didn't have the corset. Huh. History lesson as well. I didn't mm. expect that, Helen. You've blown my mind already. Keep going. Well, you didn't do that lesson, you see. Andrew. Well, okay, fine. Thank you. Yes, sorry, <laughs> Mum. Didn't get that far. <laughs> we will, I promise. We will, yeah. We right. will, I promise. I promise. So when you train a singer in that operatic vein or mode yeah. or or, the, or knowledge, yeah. it is belly up and in. But but that all that works for high high voice. Ah. But you see, when it when they compared it to uh, you know women who couldn't afford a corset and maybe worked in the taverns. Yeah. You see, they had the more bawdy sort of songs right. to sing. Right. You know, right. you think of our our Irish lasses and various. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they sang for a lot longer in years yeah. because they had the belly floppy, huh. not up and in and removing yeah. the air, which puts pressure on the vocal muscle. Mm. You let the belly go down and then the voice has more air and you'll, you'll speak as a speaker and as a singer, you'll sing like that for many, many years. Yeah. I compare it in my curriculum to a ballet dancer versus a contemporary style dancer. Right. Ballet dance, uh, ballet dancers are, you know, muscle contraction on all the time. Sure. That's classical voice. Huh. Right. Okay. But contemporary dances, muscle on, muscle off, muscle on, muscle off. Contemporary song is that lower range right. of tone. So again, muscle off, 
muscle on for the say the higher portions of that song. That's a cool analogy. I like that. Mm. Um, actually, something you touched on there, there as well that you know we talked about the head note mythology, uh, but also that when you talk about corsets, it makes me think of what about the diaphragm, Helen? We're supposed to sing from the diaphragm, aren't oh, we? Oh yes, Helen, sing from your diaphragm. Well, you know the diaphragm is a hugely important muscle. If we don't have one, we wouldn't breathe. We'd, we well, we'd die. Yes. But you can't actually... That's limiting for a singer's career. <laughs> Not wrong. So you can't actually sing from it. However, it does provide air for singing. And that, that's where the flip of it is. Okay. You can't control the diaphragm. It happens naturally. It's a, it's a, uh, a, a muscle that is driven by the brain. Yeah. Fortunately so, because while we're sleeping, it works. Sure. All right? We're not even thinking about, oh, I need to breathe now. Yeah. Those of us who are have a mm. greater so battle a, on our hands. It's an involuntary muscle controlled by the brain. So what it does, though, is it supplies air, of course. So we, the brain says, I need to air for the body. So the, 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 the diaphragm will pull down and pull the air into the lung, right? And then when it relaxes, it goes back up again, which, of course, then allows the air to come out. Sure. And there are other intercostal muscles that help, you know, also push the air out. And, uh, yeah, uh, and so, you know, it, that's just, just a, a rhythm that we have with the brain making us breathe, yeah. right? Yeah. That kind of thing. So, yes, it, it makes air available, but it doesn't help us to sing in the way that you think that it could or should uh-huh. <laughs> what we teach is getting you to use uh the body by dumping down on the lung to push more air out yeah because you see all muscles are co-joined it's, there's not just one single muscle that works on its own right i mean right. G- giving you the analogy of me wanting to scratch my head you know yeah, yeah. think of all the, the muscles in your arms yeah, yeah right. you know that's all in there uh so with with the diaphragm, yeah, it, it it will relax to allow air to come out. But if I drop my body down by pushing pushing pressure on the top of the top of the lung, mm, which is where the pet comes in, which is where the pet comes in, and even lats under the arm will help you do that, particularly in your high notes. Yeah, you'll get a much better, fuller sound mm. than than what you will if you're just standing upright. Sure. And of course, if you keep your chin down, you'll get an also an, a nicer sound as well. I watch so many singers singing with their chin up. But if, if anybody's listening to this, you'll hear that now that I've actually got my chin up, yeah. I'm sure <laughs> Andrew, Andrew will vouch for this. this. Is, I can confirm can, there is an upward chin. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> looking up my nose. Yeah. You can hear how the sound is much thinner than what it is when I drop it down. Yeah. Also, if I stick my chin out, you know, that also changes the tonal quality. Yeah. So even though, you know, I listen to, you know, bands and singers of, mm, goodness me, and I love some of the voices of some, you know, songs and things and styles that they have. But man, when I see that chin go up, I just think, oh, you're putting so much pressure on that vocal muscle. And yet you'd sound so much better yeah. if you just got that chin down. And not only that... Uh, you know, you, you, you'll last longer. It, it's all about longevity, looking after that vocal. Because that's a big part of it, isn't it? The, the strain that... Yeah. Um, Nodules, cysts, polyps. Yeah, yeah. And, and that is what? That is just a, um, improper use of the, the body yeah. or just relying on the vocal muscle without pulling in the other biomechanics? What, what's the... 
breakdown on that? Well, if we if we continually sing, you're using by using bad technique. You know, like for example, you know, you're a bit of a belter and you got your chin up, so you're pushing this air out through a closed throat. I mean, that's why my voice is sounding narrow, is because I've just closed off the air. Yeah. So I'm trying to push the air through. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that could, what they call a vocal overdoer. Uh huh. And, they uh, call? Who are yeah, they? Oh, Who are uh, these people? Al- 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 um, Those laryn- in your craft. Laryngologists, laryngologists that, you know, put the camera down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that put the camera down your throat. Them and camera people. Yep, yeah. yep. And we do a lesson on that as well, too, of course. Okay. I call it the scare tactics lesson. So <laughs> <laughs> you get to see how our nodules come this about. This could be you. Mm. One man, one voice. Anyway, you know, so again, it's pressure. And, you know, the reason why I love teaching body, getting the torso muscles involved, they, it takes pressure away from the vocal muscle. Right. It helps stabilize the voice in such a way that, um, you know, because the, the lat muscles through the back actually, t- um, it, it's, a, it's a, amazing how it's all connected. It, it will actually connect to the back ligament or back cartilage of the in a part of the um, vocal muscle and it just stabilizes it so as you go up in pitch and go down in body that note will sound a lot yeah. lot better and a lot more stable and to a listener it it sounds to them like that note is really free and mm. not you know not strained yeah to and it feels that way to the vocalist as well it's amazing when you see the the look of oh my gosh, I can actually sing this, and that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas before, with, with nobody, just just putting the, all the pressure on the vocal muscle to perform, uh, yeah, will produce a much thinner, yeah. not as nice a sound. I mean, if I was to speak from my, my experience again, I mean, something that I realized as I adjust myself on the couch, um, as uh, I realized was that um, in many ways, my previous approach to anything I did vocally singing or speaking was very much stressed through the throat. And if I was to contrast that to what I learned from you, it's almost like the throat itself. I don't want to say does none of the work, but it's almost like that really the load bearing is done by the other parts of the body mm. so that the, the vocal muscle can really just focus on the muscle control needed to, to shape the note yeah. uh, as opposed to having to drive it, I suppose um, with, well, tension. the other thing is, too, a lot of vocalists over. Um, was that true, project. by the way? Because I'm just trying to kind of put it in my own words. So if some of that was crap, you can say so. Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> no. If if you can get your body taking the load, yeah, it will definitely release the vocal muscle just to vibrate. Right. You know, but what what often singers want to do is they want to push from the vocal muscle and that's where the damage starts. That's where mm. your nodules and your polyps and your cysts and things mm. come in into play and uh, and and yeah your vocal strain yeah but you see it's not about volume right it's about resonance ah, tell me more about that Helen. yeah right yeah because you know um yeah it, it's looking at um uh you know a lot of singers think that they they have to you know really shout out a much higher note to get it uh-huh. But if you just back it off and then support it with the body, you'll get a much nicer sound. Yeah. And sometimes that happens naturally for singers, particularly if they're a very confident singer. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, if you, if you just, you know, have that fear of high notes. Yeah. Remember, it's about your anatomy. It's about that note going. 
and saying, oh, yes, I've, my, I can physically get that note. Uh-huh. So therefore, where, where is the ceiling? Well, it's probably, you know, that note. And therefore, what am I doing with the air to achieve it that way? Yeah. Uh, but as I say, if you get the body involved, that also just helps you achieve your vocal range. Yeah. Be it high or be it really, really high. <laughs> the, the thing too um, that I noticed that was, I, seem, I guess, seemed a bit counterintuitive when I first learned this from you as well with... A high note is that again when you speak of physiology the the the, the chin going up is one thing mm-hmm. um but you tend to see the overall body tends to lift and mm-hmm. people going for a high note so you see the yes. shoulders come up you almost see yeah. them kind of rising up a little bit yes. uh you know straightening the back even more yeah uh you know lifting that the whole body comes up yes because uh, we think high or yeah it's high. yeah so i gotta jump kind of jump up to reach yeah. but the actual action of doing that is actually Coming down lower. Yeah, work down. Yeah, work down. So do you want to speak to that just a little bit? Yeah, it's a little little bit like the revs of a car. You know, as, as you're revving up, your car's not going to go any faster until you change that gear down. So if you can think about a high note going up, but your body working down. So the higher you go, you're working down. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Or should I say, the higher you go, <laughs> and I'm working down as I go. If yeah. I lift with it, higher you go, it's going to get thinner. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's all about what you do with the lungs. Yeah. All about the air. Control so the air. when I work down, I'm putting pressure on the air. Mm. Push it, putting pressure on the lung to produce better air. Okay. The higher you go, the thinner the note gets. So if I give it more air, it'll get a better sound. Nice. So let's then speak to the resonant side of things. I've kind of uh, pushed this down the, the line a little bit um, a few times as we've talked so far. But when we're talking about resonance, um, we're talking about using the palette to shape mm. the color of a note. Mm. Okay. So do you want to speak a little bit more to that perhaps and uh, well, maybe give some examples? Well, yeah, it, it's better great. explained. Yeah. 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 And, and it was a little bit like I did before. It's just um, particularly the mid-range of voice is very easy to manipulate. So it's it's looking at... Um, it's looking at making your singing a lot more interesting, I guess. So if I took a song, say, um, and sang it all in one place. Are the stars out tonight? I don't know if it's cloudy or bright. It's all in tune. It's okay. But it can be a bit boring kind of deal. Okay. But if I look at where I place the air in the palette, I can make it more interesting by going you know and of course with resonance too just hear me right you know it's about making the right choices so sure. it you know it and and making those right choices may mean recording it and going oh no that's not quite the you know, too far forward there or too far back you know so to give you an example about forward and backward in the palette in the palette of yeah. doing yeah. what you're doing with the air yeah, yeah. okay so Fair are on. the stars out tonight i don't know if it's cloudy or bright so now i'm Throwing the air around sure. to give it a bit more int- of an interesting kind of texture to it. Yeah. Mm. All right. So when you're coming to certain styles of music, in fact, you know what? Before we speak more about music, why don't we talk about the public speaking side of things then? Because again, this has direct correlation there. Mm. So when you have somebody that comes to you for public speaking related stuff, yes. uh, is there any difference in what you share with them? Where do you start from with those guys? How does this help? Well, to fix a speaker is a lot quicker, of course, than singing. Uh-huh. Uh, and often when they do arrive, yeah, the first thing that they 
they do and and do when they are presenting in front of people is it's about posture right they want to look good they want to suck the belly in so of course now they've taken off the air and then they wonder why when they've talked for an hour like this that you know they get a tired voice when you when you take away the air and you pull up you you start to cut off all the laryngeal um you create laryngeal tension which of course stops the saliva glands from milking so the thing is to get into that Get into that left side, drop the but you know, get the body down, yeah. get that belly floppy, allow the yeah. air to come in, yeah. and now you've relaxed it all, and so you won't need to drink the water that you know huh. you sup in every. So hang on, because I've never heard that before. So you're saying when you've when you've got that tension through mm. through the jaw and you pull it, you yep. actually that's part of the reason. I mean, there can be a nervousness, I suppose, as well. But yeah. part of what can cause that dry mouth is the fact because of the tension in your face. Yep. You're blocking off your own saliva glands, and that's yeah. why you... Yeah. Huh. So that's what we teach the these guys, to now just relax. And, of course, you know, it's, it's actually not about the speaker all the time either, because if you're a teacher, like, for example, you know, if I, if I administered a class with you for an hour and I spoke like this at the front of my face and, you know, I really <laughs> love... Teaching, singing, Andrew, and oh, God, you know this is it. the vocal no, muscle, and me. this is the ligament. No, what did and, I ever do to you? Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, you'd be driven out of the room. You know, you'd never want to come back. Right. So it, it's about what you know. You can't learn like that. Your brain is. It, you'll find that irritating. It's the same thing for someone who sucks the belly in and talks really, really fast. You're taking away the air, so you can talk really fast. But of course, now you're you're sitting there listening to me, going, "Why is she talking so fast?" And and that's what you're concentrating on. And you're not even hearing about what I'm trying to teach you. Right. When I let the belly go, you see now I've got more air in the mix. So now I'm going to talk slower, and I'm going to be able to speak with more expression so that's yeah. now a learning tool for you to receive the information mm-hmm. i see a lot of speakers come through different you know uh, venues and things and yes they might talk really fast and yes they might have great content in their messages but you just don't get it all because it's exhausting trying to huh. keep up right and right. if they don't have that knowledge just to slow it down and you know, particularly, oh, I'm running out of room, so I'm going to talk really, really fast now because I'm running out of time and I really need you to get this information. Well, is it, is, are they going to get it? <laughs> yeah. Huh. So where do accents come into play? Oh, well, again, that's all about how the jaw and anatomy is. Well, not even probably anatomy. It's, I guess accents are a little bit uh, like um, copying, mimicking. Uh-huh. Um, for example... You know, the Irish tend to tighten the tongue and tighten the jaw. So, you know, putty. Yeah. So it's all tighten the tongue. Right. Top of of the morning to you. (laughs) Top of the morning to you. The Scottish, they speak very much in the front of their face, Scotland. Yeah. You know, so it's a bit more rounded, but it's still got got the jaw thing going on. And then, of course, you got your Indian man. (laughs) You know, I love Papa Dom's. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, very tight articulators create yeah. accents, and I'm not great with them, but I do understand that that is what creates. Yeah, and and of course our ear makes us want to mimic the mm. sound. Mm. Kiwi language is very much hard vowels, so you know every other language has very soft vowels. 
actually, that's a very cool thing to talk about. Sorry, is there anything more you wanted to say on that front before I jump in? Well, I got all excited. Um, that whole idea of how vowels are pronounced mm. while singing. Um, that's another thing that you've, you've you shared. You mentioned it this morning, didn't you? Yeah. You? Mm. Um, do you want to speak a little bit on that front? Yeah, well, we do a good lesson on vowels, and it is just highlighting how the English language is a borrowed language. Yeah. Uh, we come from Italian, French, Greek, you know, whatever. Mm. And a lot of those other languages have very soft vowels, you know, come, prima, um, facaria, mari, you know, they have long, airy sort of vowels. Whereas, you know, we'd look at the way come prima was written in the Italian and we go come prima. <laughs> <laughs> it does lose some of the magic, doesn't it? You know? Yeah. Or, you know, facaria mai. Waka, mara, you know, I haven't got it in front of me. To yeah, read it. right. But, you know, it's very hardened vowels. So sure. we tend to say A, E, I, O, U. A, you know, with very tight articulators. If we can just learn to go A, E, I, O, U, so you yeah. soften the mouth. Right. Uh, and, and that will certainly m make you, again, easier to listen to from an audible perspective and also, of course, from a singing, uh, listening perspective as well. Okay. So how does that compare then with, I guess, your traditional elocution lessons and things like that? Is that uh, uh, in any way connected? or? Well, it is about tonation. And, you know, but then you do have your um, pronunciation with, you know, right. your T's and your P's and your, you know, mm. Mm, that kind of deal. Um, and that's where your eloquence of voice comes in. But, you know, t mm, it, it is good to have good articulation in the sense of, uh, you know, um, you know, we have s s songs, you know, we will say... Um, uh, I want to be where you are, so you want to be with. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not really pronouncing the T yeah. a lot, but if I go wanna be, yeah. you know, we too do tend to. Oh no, no, actually, that's not the one I was thinking of. It's um, wow, well, wait, waiting here for you instead of waiting here for you. <laughs> <laughs> waiting, <laughs> which, waiting. Which, yeah, yeah, which actually yeah. changes the word. That's the one I wanted right, to have on. Okay, okay, mm, yeah. so. Uh, yeah, so articulation is good for the purpose of obviously getting the story across. If you're a singer that's not really relating a story, yeah, I would love. It's, it's the yeah. story that touches people. Well, look, actually, we've we've probably only got about maybe ten minutes left, and I think that um, that that storytelling thing is pretty huge mm. uh, in terms of the the color that goes into a um, a song. Mm. Um, so, could you speak on that a little bit? Well, you know, uh, it, it, whether you're a, at a party and you become the storyteller in the room, you're the one that's got the colour and the voice, the purpose, that's really, you know, loving what you're doing because you're the life of the party. Yeah. If you're that in a vocalist, loving the song that you, you, you enjoy doing, you know, the story that's behind it that you can relate to, put emotion into it, you know, that's what's really going to sell you as a singer. Yes, it's great having all the knowledge, and that's, you know, vital often mm. to great, you know, vocal performance. But at the end of the day, if you are a great singer with a great voice and have no emotion in the songs that you're presenting in front of people, then, then people just... 
Yeah. So yeah. what would you encourage somebody to do then if they're looking to build that part of their Well, we do a great lesson on the sympathetic nervous system. Okay. And how to change the alkalinity of the of the um, uh, acid in the body. Uh-huh. And we teach it on how to, you know, to get that alkaline, that warmness, emotional state opposed to that acidic fearness state. Fairness state. Tell me more about that. <laughs> oh dear. Well, you know, when when we're in fear, it 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 locks muscle for one thing. Sure. But it also, you know, turns the gut, makes you feel anxious, make might make you make you want to feel sick. Right. Right. Yeah. But if you actually focus on, hey, I'm just a storyteller and I love this story and this song and I just want to share it. And if you can personify a vision of what that song means to you personally, mm. you see, it takes away all the fear. Yeah. You see, you, you know, if you're singing to an audience, for an audience, at an audience. <laughs> yeah. To them, you're, you're showing your arrogance. At them, well, well actually to them, if you're showing it, singing it to them, it, it, it's like you're trying to prove how good you are. Yeah. If you're singing at them, it's an arrogance. Mm. I, I'm, I'm so good. If you're singing for them, then they've got it over you. Right. right? Yeah. You sing it to them because you, you sing, you sing because you love to sing. It's what you love to do. Yeah. And if you can put your head, your emotion into what you're doing, mm. then they, they catch that. And you, they don't know what you're thinking about when you're singing that song. You might be sing, thinking about your dog or your your dad or your mum or your lover or your best friend. Yeah. But they'll catch whatever they have from that and, and dream their own dreams. Mm -hmm. So how does the biomechanical side of things... Um, I have experienced some of this, but I think it's better people hear it from you. Um, <laughs> the, you, you learn the biomechanical side uh, and then you talk about how this song is is communicated like a, a story to somebody so mm -hmm. how does the performance aspect fit together with this because uh when we're talking about you know um using pecs and lats and and, mm. and hips and and all this kind of thing <laughs> uh am i now nailed to the spot like what if i want to move oh, around no, what no, if no, i want no, no. to no no it's something you need to rehearse in your own time you know it's not it's not something you do in performance mode you practice it at home so that it starts to feel good and and you feel the benefit of it you hear the benefit of it and uh, and then you know it becomes memory muscle uh, you know i you can't just stand on one side or you know because of course for high it's the opposite side mm. um yeah so so it's a it's something that you learn to experience in the early days so you get get to understand you test it test it um, and then feel what's great and what feels good, and then that way it'll build up that memory. Uh, and then once you've got that as a memory, mm. you know, like I navigate my songs. Here's a high note. Which side do I need to be on? Here's a really good low note. What side do I need to be on? Right. And so you, it's like reading a book, and you know, ahead of the words, you're navigating your song so that you see it's not about the note. You've already got the memory for pitch, right? Yeah. Is what does that note need to be the best that it can be? And that's where your knowledge comes in. And then the rest of it, it's just emotion. Just put that icing on the cake. That's it's awesome. It's all a beautiful thing. So tell me then, Helen, for you personally, why do you keep doing this? Oh, because I love it. I just, I just love it. I know, I know what it did for me as a singer, you know, coming off stage 
feeling strained and feeling, oh my gosh, you know, I, I thought I had a talent. This is just not working for me. I'm losing my voice. This is terrible. And then finding this curriculum through Cheryl. And um, now I sing with an 18-piece jazz band and having a blast. Yeah. And without it, I just wouldn't have the confidence or the agility or, mm. or the um, ability to be able to last. I'd be in Nodule City by now. And you know what? From from what I've in learned... In Nodule City, where no one can hear you scream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because you yeah. And, and, you know, when I look back and I think, oh my gosh, you know, I just want to go back and apologize to all those people that I would belt and shout out of the room. Yeah. Yeah. Because now I just understand that, you know, there, you know, that there are just so many aspects to this and it's not rocket science. It's quite simple, really, but it's just understanding what the body can give you, what the human voice is really all about, how we're, you know, fearfully and wonderfully made and you know, and how we can last as a vocalist and be good at who we are as a vocalist. So, Helen, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, mm -hmm. how do they do that? Oh, they can check me out on my website, which yeah. is um, Helen Vocalcoach, mm -hmm. and um, or oh, I think that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> or they can email me at at, um, at yeah Helen Vocalcoach um, at gmail dot com. Okay. Yeah. And uh, oh, Vocal Coach Helen is my website. Sorry. Okay, so vocal coach, yeah. vocal coach Helen, what, .co .nz? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. and then and the Helen other one is... Helen.vocalcoach.gmail.com. For the email. Yeah. Okay, And nice. uh, Yeah, and more than happy to help people with any vocal issues, be it speaking or singing. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's good fun. Thanks, Great Helen. Great seeing their journeys. So that is Helen Clegg Healy, vocal coach extraordinaire and uh, somebody who I have learned a huge amount from. Um, even in terms of my uh, my jazz performances, but then doing public speaking, it's actually part of my uh, full-time job as well, uh, being aware of the way that the body can support what I'm doing and that kind of stuff, it's been massively beneficial. And as you can hear too, there's a few myths floating around about how to get the best out of your voice. So um, cool conversation, right? Love blowing your mind or two here or there. Um, if you have any feedback about that particular uh, podcast or anything you want to get through to me, remember you can always do that via uh, the email, which is the Andrew Curtis show at gmail.com. So once again, enjoyed that conversation, got a cracker coming up as well, which uh, hopefully I'll be recording in the next week or so. It's about drugs. But until then, enjoy the little outro track and uh, I'll catch you again soon. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for you.